Welcome to the State of Business with the Ohio Society of CPAs. I'm Jessica Salerno, Senior Content Manager at LSCPA, and this is the show where we bring you the latest news impacting the business and accounting world from top experts. In this episode, I'm speaking with Sean Stein-Smith, CPA and Assistant Professor at Lehman College in New York, about cryptocurrency and blockchain. Sean serves on the advisory board of the Wall Street Blockchain Alliance and will present on this topic at the Financial Institution's virtual conference on August 25th. Sean and I discussed how these areas are impacting financial institutions, what a non-fungible token is, the future of blockchain and cryptocurrency in the accounting profession, and much more. We kicked things off with Sean telling me what professionals should be aware of in this space. There are a huge number of trends going on out there right now, but a few of the sort of highest profile ones that I would say is that any asset-backed coin, right, be it a privately issued uh, stable coin or, or this idea of a central bank digital currency, basically a cryptocurrency issue governed by a actual government are going to be the, the easiest ways, right, for merchants, consumers, financial institutions to, um, to actually start to use, try to process, try to interact with different crypto assets in a commercial manner. One. Two, this whole idea of DeFi, right, which is probably the, the opposite of a traditional financial institution, right, because it's actually decentralized finance. But there are major institutional players out there. I would say that Coinbase is probably the most obvious one. That's a real entity publicly traded here that that's actually offering products and services in this exact area. So even though the idea of a DeFi operation is to try to cut out financial institutions in in order to actually get commercial level business to get other entrepreneurs, to get business owners involved in this area, there is absolutely going to be a home for traditional uh, players to offer services and to offer different assurances on these different services. And then three. And so, and so this, uh, this other area is, is probably more oriented towards a uh, institution that has a wealth management arm or that is just trying to get into that business, trying to expand it, trying to add, add some uh, new and different customers. This whole idea of a NFT, right, non-fungible token, it was ultra hot back in March of, of, of 2021, and it's cooled off a bit in terms of the coverage in the actual headlines. But in terms of the quantity of NFTs being uh, minted and added into the overall ecosystem, it's a huge area, and everybody from athletes to actors to businesses, uh, major uh, uh, franchises. I believe there's a MLB franchise that's currently partnering up to actually produce their own NFTs going forward. It's a real asset class, and there are uh, and, and, uh, and is actual quantitative monetary value in it. So for any institution that has or is trying to grow, trying to enter these sort of wealth management arm or is trying to figure out how to offer a new and creative service to their current clients, 
NFTs could be a opportunity. And then to uh, sort of wrap up right, some of the high points here, uh, just recently, uh, there have been a handful of actual countries that are planning to or that have actually authorized Bitcoin to be used as legal tender in those actual countries. And so even if your bank right now might not have any customers, any clients, any any partner banks in any of these areas, it is a trend and it is happening. And so as more and more countries adopt Bitcoin or, or, or some other asset as a legal tender option, you know, there are going to be opportunities to offer services to help those customers access the U.S. banking system and to access other products and other services. What questions are um, CPAs, accounting professionals asking you about this space? And do you feel like that those questions have kind of evolved, hopefully indicating that their their knowledge has grown in this area? Absolutely. And probably the top questions that I'm getting now, right, from individuals and from actual firms out there tend to hone in on, okay, fine. How do I handle all of these clients, all these customers that have Bitcoin and other crypto from a tax or other compliance linked uh, angle, right? Because the IRS has has been quite transparent in that trying to collect uh, any taxes linked to gains. And it was a headline that actually uh, U.S. taxpayers booked $4 billion in profits in 2020 linked to Bitcoin by itself. So there is quite a bit of agita right now out there as to try to help, right, one, our external clients, and two, try to give them the best advice possible to hopefully navigate what's going to be a pretty uh, intense review of these transactions. And then two, um, the other sort of big area that's that's sort of only come up uh, – um, I would say during 2020 and the first half or so of, of 2021 is I'm getting questions now from my external clients that are not crypto native companies about how do I start using crypto for, for payments? How do I integrate blockchain into my operations? And there's a very interesting sort of offshoot to this that the also the U.S. cannabis industry which is currently sort of quasi-legal in some states, but still not at the federal level, is trying to grow, develop, and to sort of uh, move up the economic ladder. And there are some options out there that if a firm in the cannabis space wants to use a blockchain and a stablecoin-based commercial payment system, that actually via, via sort of almost a a backdoor option, they can access banking services. So on the one hand, tax, compliance, um, I would say that audit is still out there, but it is not as high profile as it has been previously. Now, uh, I would I would not say that the audit side is not as important, because it certainly is, but there has been uh, really so much attention uh, paid to Bitcoin and other crypto from a income tax angle during the back half of 2020 and the first half of 2021 that the pivot and the 
and the sort of shift there has really been towards trying to get a handle on these sort of tax obligations. And then on the other hand, how to help external clients try to onboard even just a basic way to accept crypto as a form of payments or to help them pay employees, suppliers, all the rest. And then uh, one other sort of uh, anecdotal point here is that there are now uh, real blockchain uh, crypto hubs right here in the U.S., be it the Wyoming, be it Miami, Florida, be it other areas that are trying to integrate blockchain and crypto into their overall economic plans. I mean, there are certain areas of the country where even though on the surface blockchain and crypto are not headlines uh, every single day, that they are really becoming a integrated part of the overall economic landscape. And I know we talked about trends um, a few minutes ago, but I'm curious, do you see any, um, how do you see this space kind of evolving or where do you pre predict that it will be at least by the end of 2021? Well, by the end of 2021, I mean, uh, if you, if you had asked me that back in January, I would probably have a completely different answer for you. Um, oh, man. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, so, I mean, by the end of 2021, I would, I would say that there are a few things that I'm, tr that I'm keeping an eye on, uh, hoping to actually see on the, on the hopes angle, right? I would hope that by the end of 2021, that there's a crypto or Bitcoin ETF like, like product, which I am, uh, really confident in following all of this institutional interest and all of these large institutions offering products and services to their external clients. And on the hopeless number two, I would hope that there is some movement. I, I do know on that in June of 2021, the FASB is going to open up a agenda request or uh, agenda consultation process. And I can guarantee you that there are going to be plenty of firms, trade groups, advocate, uh, trying to push the FASB to add crypto-specific accounting to their list of uh, uh, tasks, basically. So I would hope that happens. Now, in terms of where I would say that the space is going to end up, at the end of 2021, on the one hand, I would say that there are absolutely going to be, and uh, don't quote me on this, but I would say that there are going to be at least between half a dozen and, and the 10 countries by the end of 2021 where Bitcoin or some other, or some other form of, of a crypto asset is actually going to be qualifying to be used as a currency alternative, right? As a real currency choice. In that country, not every country, but I would I would estimate between at least half a dozen and uh, 10 countries. And then, two that here in the U.S., that the number of companies and uh, agencies and towns and areas that are actually allowing individuals and firms to be paid in Bitcoin or other or other cryptocurrency is going to be a lot higher. Uh, than you might think. I won't put like a number on it, obviously, but I would say that that really the continuing push 
to now really start to, to sort of move past the the hype and the bubble of the back half of 2020, uh, the first quarter of the current year, and say, okay, fine. Everyone is aware of this now. There's institutional interest, commercial interest. How do we get this to work as a real payment option? And so I would say that, that honestly, that's going to be the main headline here in the U.S. towards the end of 2021, on top of hopefully some more transparency in terms of any sort of crypto products and uh, crypto-specific accounting rules. And it's so interesting to me, Sean, that you mentioned, like, at the beginning of this year, your your answer to that question would have probably been completely different. Do you think that that is just an indicator of how quickly that this space is evolving? Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, I believe that the all-time high for Bitcoin was reached, but uh, I think early April, when it was trading at briefly $65,000 per coin. And as of our conversation here, it's trading back around 30 to 35. So it's still a very new asset class and it's an extremely fast evolving space. And so, yeah, absolutely. There are going to be ups and downs and there are going to be hiccups, obstacles, and also doubts of excitement. So it's always important. I think that as with any new technology, any new platform. And really, that's what Bitcoin or any crypto asset actually is. There has been sort of a common comment over the last, I don't know, six, uh, eight or so years that the uh, actual blockchain itself is the platform and that other cryptocurrencies are applications. And I was one of those folks actually saying that too. But, uh, but now, you know, sort of in, in the present, as Bitcoin and other crypto really become integrated into firms, into markets, into tax, audit practices, advisory services, it really is becoming that the Bitcoin and other and other cryptocurrencies are this new platform for how firms can transfer payments, transfer information, and how firms can conduct activities. So it really is fast moving and anybody who has a ironclad guarantee as to, as to how it's going to end up in half a year, 12 months, 18 months is incorrect. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it really is fast moving and it's still early days. So yeah, I mean, if, if I had to offer sort of one piece of advice out there, it's to try to have and I know it's easier to actually say um, um, than, than to actually do sometimes, but to have a longer-term view on this as a investment or a choice or a pivot towards what is ultimately, ultimately going to be, I think, the new paradigm for how payments and transactions happen going forward. That's so interesting. And, and I'm curious for accounting professionals, what advice, and I'm sure there's probably a lot, but what advice <laughs> would, would you give them, you know, concerning, um, crypto and this space as they, as obviously as it evolves and more professionals and firms are kind of integrating this into their practice? So the top, top couple pieces of advice that I always give is that Education is, is, is key. And 
I do know that all of us know what Bitcoin is, know what blockchain is, and all of that good stuff. But that there has been so much that has changed in the overall crypto asset space just during the last 12 or so months, right? Last August, last spring, nobody had heard of a NFT, right? And right now, NFTs are a uh, integral part of how athletes, actors, all kinds of other public figures are trying to actually monetize them, uh, their own images. And the whole idea of DeFi, stable coins, all, all of these things have really popped up so fast that it's a real good illustration just how important it is for, for all of us, right? Uh, me, all of you to really continuously educate ourselves on the trends and topics. And then two, after doing that, after that educational part has been, you know, integrated in, it really comes ultimately down to having those honest conversations, both internally and externally, right? Internally with your, your staff, colleagues, do we have the expertise to enter this area? Do we or are we short? And having those conversations is oftentimes tough, but they're critical to that next phase, right? Actually being able to offer services to clients. And and a quick anecdotal point here that the age group that everybody loves to hate, that 25 or I guess now like 25 to, to 39 age group, um, which I'm a part of, I won't name them, um, is, is almost half of all crypto ownership. And as those individuals become entrepreneurs, grow firms, move up in other organizations, I mean, it is quickly going to become sort of part of the expectation. Um, for any tax service, for any audit service, for any advisory service, to be able to, if not answer uh, every single question every time about crypto and other blockchain issues, to at the very least be able to have a productive conversation on. And so it really strikes me that one, education is always uh, important here, and that two, it really is coming quite fast. And that if, and that if uh, anything, I would say that during the last 12 or so months, it really had proven how quickly crypto can move, can move from, from being a idea that, that had been sort of written off almost to an idea and a concept that is increasingly being part of the everyday conversation uh, at the IRS level, audit firms, tax firms, counting conferences, podcasts, um, and also at those higher levels too, right? Uh, policymakers here in the U.S. and overseas talk about these items every single day. And so it really does illustrate just how integrated it has become and how quickly it has happened and ultimately how, how quickly I would say that all of us are, are going to move on to this next phase where it becomes part of the expectation as opposed to a bonus. Keep an eye on how the treatment of crypto payments uh, evolve as countries like China 
introduce their own crypto yuan as countries like El Salvador actually authorize Bitcoin to be used as a currency option. As to how that, on the one hand, is a interesting headline, but on the other hand, is absolutely going to have a direct impact on how banks and other financial institutions have to evaluate their own internal processes, their their controls, how they interact with their external partners to process and uh, re and ultimately record payments and other transactions. So that's going to be something that really is is going to change quite quickly, I think. And there is going to be quite a bit of, I would say, uh, opportunity, but there's also going to be a lot of obstacles as firms, countries, and banks, and other financial, other financial institutions try to sort of keep pace with how quickly the uh, ecosystem is actually moving. Thank you to Sean for taking the time to share his insight on blockchain and cryptocurrency. You can hear more from him at the Financial Institutions Virtual Conference on August 25th. Go to my.ohiocpa.com to register or click on the link in our show notes. So what'd you think of the episode? You can let me know at jsalerno, J-S-A-L-E-R-N-O at ohiocpa.com. And please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. We love to hear your feedback. Thanks for listening.